What do today's fastest growing direct consumer brands all have in common? They use Klaviyo to personalize their marketing, build their customer relationships, and automate their online sales. Whether it's a new subscriber or your most loyal customer, growing your e-commerce business starts with creating amazing marketing experiences. Discover winning marketing strategies in Klaviyo's new video series, Ready, Set, Grow. Each week, you'll explore key tactics of some of Klaviyo's more than 17,000 customers who use these to grow their business. So tune in to Ready, Set, Grow, and to receive even more helpful content, visit klaviyo.com slash blend. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash B-L-E-N-D. So guys, if you follow me on LinkedIn, you'll probably know that I'm always banging on about customer experience, customer journey. But the thing is, it's a bit of a buzzword and it gets thrown around quite a lot and add to that pile personalization. And what I was thinking about really is that wouldn't it be great if we had someone to come on, break these down without the BS and actually give us some practical advice. Well, my friends, your wish is my command. So it's an absolute pleasure. To welcome Eric Malka from Optimunk to the show. So, Eric, how are you, mate? Hey, I'm feeling pretty good. We've got nice weather here in Bucharest. I'm doing great. Good stuff. Good stuff. I mean, yeah, it's actually sunny here as well for once. So, maybe I'll come out of my vampire type recluseness that I usually do this time of year. But let me kind of start off today, Eric, by saying, look, you know, you and I have obviously been connected on LinkedIn for a while. We haven't got around to this chat, so I'm really excited to be to be sitting down with you and. As I kind of mentioned, you know, I post quite a bit about customer experience, customer journey, but starting off today, when we say customer journey, what does that specifically mean to you? Yeah. Well, as a consumer, it means how did I feel about the buying process? Everything from the, the discovery phase to post-purchase, you know, was purchasing from this brand, was it enjoyable? You know, would I buy from it again? Would I tell other people about it? Now, as a marketer, this is where I kind of put my empathy cape on and I always try to ask myself, okay, if I was coming to, you know, to this brand from, from the customer's perspective, if I was in their shoes, right, you know, I would start looking for touch points where there's friction, where there's confusion, where I feel like, wait a minute, the customer or the audience here may be a little bit confused and that's something that we should focus on. And I would also look for moments in the journey where I smile. Was this a delightful experience here? Did it make me happy, right? Because if there aren't any moments like that, then we need to create some. So yeah, there's there's two points of view as a, as a consumer and then as a, as a customer. To answer your question, Adam. No, I think I think that's brilliant. And, and I really like what you said that, you know, touch points and those friction points because I, I kind of often wonder with e-commerce because everything that we do when we build something is very linear, you know, we have a flow that we do. We have a long lead sales page that do. And there's a particular, you know, kind of recipe for doing that. We don't think about the chaotic moments as being something that we need to kind of focus on. And I guess what I'm hearing from you is it's that sort of chaos and the real life, what's actually happening. That is the customer journey. Is that kind of where you're coming from on that? Well, I'm thinking if you're, if you're an e-commerce brand, right? Where we get caught up is thinking that everybody understands what we're trying to communicate here. 
the messaging that I've tested and I've done A-B tests on and it works and it's got a high conversion rate, it works for everybody. It's good for everybody, right? And so, you know, kind of, I, I think what you're asking is here is if you're a brand, you know, how can we make this experience, you know, more delightful than it is? But if it seems to be working, then there's probably not much that you can change. You know, if, if I'm getting sales, I'm getting high conversions, then leave it alone. So why even consider personalization, which is the topic that I'm here to discuss today. Uh, but I've got a few examples of brands that are doing it well, they're doing it right. And because yeah. of that, they're really succeeding. And I can share a few of those examples if, if you like. One example is there's a fast growing winery in the world called week.com and their e-commerce subscription brand. You sign up for them and you get like this custom wine box every month. Fantastic. Right. And when you go to their website, you know, instead of them kind of disturbing your experience by saying, Hey, sign up for our email list and we'll give you 10% off. You know, they're asking you like, what type of wine do you prefer? You know, white or red or a combination of both. Uh, another question is what kind of food do you like? Do you like Mexican food, Chinese food? Do you like chocolate cake? And they have another question that says, Hey, some idiot put the M&Ms, they mixed it with the Skittles in the same, in the same bowl. You know, which ones do you pick out, right? All these questions are designed to, to build engagement with you, right? To build a, to have this interaction with you, start a conversation, but also to learn about you because as they're learning about you, the better they can tailor a personalized experience for you. And so at the end of their questions, they're saying, fantastic. Would you like to see what your custom wine box would look like? You know, feel free to give us your email address, right? And so once you, once you submit, then you know, hey, here's, according to my taste, here's the types of wine that they would send me, you know, every month or, or however. And so that's, that's an example of a, a beautiful experience. But if you don't want to be that sophisticated, right, then another great experience is a retailer based in the U.S. Uh, they're called Woodhouse Clothing. And I love what they do here because if you visit their website and you're from another country, they have a nice little pop-up message that appears after a few seconds. And so if I were to visit there from Romania, I see a nice, a nice message and it says, hey, welcome from Romania. All the, all the currency is in Romanian lei, which is the local currency here in Romania. All prices include taxes. And by the way, if you spend more than 500 lei, shipping is free. So within a very short time, I know automatically that, hey, they can ship to my location and I don't have to worry about taxes because it's included in the price. It's just reassuring. You know, that, that's, a nice, that's a nice example of personalization and you don't even have to do anything. You don't even have to answer any questions. So there's all kinds of different examples that you can implement personalization. I think those are two brands that are doing a great job at it. I love those examples. And guys, we'll be make sure to, to include the URLs to both those brands in the show notes. So if you are listening, you want to go and check those out, we'll put those in as well. I mean, the, the thing in, with both those examples, Eric, is it kind of feels to me like two things happening there. One, like you say, is that the asking those questions gives you some, some initial data points straight away, which is useful as a brand. But I think secondly, it also feels like they're doing a pretty good job at sort of trying to replicate the offline online. And I think, you know, in terms of doing that, do you think it's necessary for brands to replicate offline and online context? Or is there some kind of boundary that you, you kind of need to stick to? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think it's, I think if you apply the golden rule, right? Treat others as you would like them 
to treat you, it exists in the offline world. I mean, you don't walk into a Zara and someone immediately says, right when you walk in the store, hey, give me your phone number and I'll give you a 10% coupon code. I mean, you're never going to have a sales representative do that, right? Or somebody tell you, hey, you can buy this in the next five minutes and you didn't get a discount, but if you don't, you're going to have to pay full price. Just doesn't happen in, in the offline world, right? So yeah, I think it is it is important that you try to replicate that offline experience into the online world. And it's not that difficult, Adam. I mean, a simple thing that you can do is if it's near a shopping season or holiday, maybe Valentine's Day, which is coming up, maybe Christmas or something, is if somebody comes to your website, you don't know anything about them, you could just simply ask them like in a little message that says, hey, are you shopping for yourself or someone else? And if they select someone else, then you can say, fantastic, you know, here's our most popular giftable items this season. What you've just done is like create that real world experience by holding their hand and taking them to the part of the website that's most valuable to them. Yeah. So that's an example right there. And I think, you know, th this is the thing, Eric, I think, you know, with, with personalization, we're going to, we're going to talk in a bit more detail about it in a second, but it feels like there are some kind of small marginal things that you can do that actually make a big difference to that initial part of the customer journey that helps you then kind of serve them better. So question for you on this is, you know, why do you think so many brands aren't doing it? Why are they struggling to get past that first point? You know, rather than just go with this very linear, you know, out of the box thinking. Yeah. Well, I think it's online marketers, and I've been in online marketing for fifteen years now. Can't believe that. The gray hairs <laughs> and it really escalates once you have little kids. You know that, right? As online marketers, we've been programmed to think that it's so important to get the person's information at all costs, right? Or get the quick sell at, at all costs. And it's, unfortunately, this is at the expense of the customer experience. You know, sure, maybe you've gotten somebody's email, but they're not going to open your emails, right? They're not going to click on it. They're not going to come back and be a repeat customer. But it's what we, we've been trained to do with all these different tactics that, you know, have come out with all these different tools. And we know that they work because they do increase conversions. And unfortunately, our mind has been, you know, sort of, like, let's follow those best practices. We see it on LinkedIn. We see it on blog posts and everybody talks about how to get more sales. These are the little tricks of the trade that you can do. But with website personalization, we're saying, hey, take a step back and ask yourself, how and where can I offer value? Where does it make sense to communicate differently for this individual or segment? You know, instead of putting your desires once first, which are, you know, getting the email address very quickly or getting the quick sale, put yourself in the visitor's shoes and approach it that way. And if you do this, you're not only going to increase conversions, you're going to increase email subscriptions, but also things like average order value and also get more upsells. And there's some brands that do this very, very well. It's interesting that you mentioned there about the tips and tricks that we see, you know, in blog posts and LinkedIn. And I always look at these and I think there is still... I guess what I would say an obsession with acquisition and conversion and slowly but surely it is changing towards, I think LTV and retention, but that is slowly bobbling away. And, and I think what you were saying there about, you know, how do you get that in piece of information quickly as possible? I think that is driven from that kind of acquisition and conversion optimization, the conversion rate fascination, isn't it? You know, do it short term now, and then actually we'll keep bringing that traffic in 
And I guess once when the traffic was cheap, you know, four years ago, great. But now it's a different world, isn't it? Oh yeah, with iOS 14, all the other updates and everything, definitely a different world. Absolutely. Let's go on to personalization on there, because look, mate, I know this is your bag, but in terms of what you guys do at Optimung, how are you guys using personalization there and what exactly is it you do? Yeah. So before I tell you about Optimug, Adam, have you ever received a handwritten letter or a personal video? Handwritten letter once I have actually, yes. Okay. Okay. Well, when you got it, you probably felt surprised and a little bit delighted. You probably felt like maybe you were important. Did you have those feelings? Yeah. I actually sent them a, a Loom video back to thank them for it and hopped on a call. So yeah, hook on and sinker for me with that. <laughs> well, you reciprocated because you felt good about it, right? Well, at Altimunk, we give marketers all the tools they need to give that feeling of delightfulness and importance for your website visitors, right? We're a personalization platform that allows you to create distinct messages for different segments. Now, these personalized messages can be for new visitors, VIP customers, visitors who came from a specific channel. They could be for non-subscribers, active shoppers, maybe visitors who just made a purchase. When you have a website personalization tool, you can serve the right value proposition, the right offer, or the next step to those specific users, which is going to lead to higher engagement, more subscribers, and more conversions. So essentially, that's what we do. Awesome. And I think, you know, in, in terms of thinking about the suite of tools that you guys have got, could you maybe give us an example of a brand? Don't need to name the brand, but maybe tell us about one of those examples, you know, from a we talk about customer journey, customer experience. What would they go through using, I guess, part of, of Optimum and part of the services that you provide? Yeah, first we have, well, we have a tactical library of more than 30 different personalization tactics. Obviously, that just going to lead to confusion. Brands would be overwhelmed. So what we do is provide sort of like a personalization checklist. Mm. And this allows you to go through this checklist and answer different questions and based on your responses to those questions, we actually rate each one a score. And the score is based on the expected impact, the reach, the level of effort it would be required to implement that personalization tactic. And so from that checklist, you have, you know, I guess the tactics that are the lowest hanging fruit, the ones that are going to generate you the biggest ROI. And so that's what we, t we walk our, our clients through if they want us, you know, they need some help. They could also do it on their own. But once they have that checklist, they know which tactics to, to tackle. And they actually have references and resources where they can see step-by-step -step instructions on how to implement those different tactics. That's good because I think, you know, when it comes to personalization, I mentioned at the start there, I feel like the term has been used a lot over the past probably 12 to 18 months. And I think if you throw an AI in there, I almost feel like in a sense sometimes that, you know, when you have those two terms, especially combined together, yeah. a, lot, a lot of us, you know, in econ just go glaze over like, okay, right. It's, it's another personalization tool. Do you think that personalization as a term is kind of being a little bit overused in e-commerce? You know, are there things out there that people are saying are personalization, but in reality, it's not? I think that's one way you can look at it, right? Because it depends on what your level of expectation is. Mm. We've all gotten used to personalization, even if we don't know it. You know, if you're looking at Instagram or TikTok, that algorithm is sending you content that's really personalized, that's really different than somebody else. 
Same thing on Netflix. A lot of the videos that get recommended, they're personalized based on your viewing habits. Amazon.com, when you shop, a lot of the products that they say they offer you or recommend, it's based on personalization, what you've done historically, what your behavior is. Okay. So if you go about it from that perspective, you know, a personalization platform, I don't know what every platform can or cannot do, but I do know that our platform gives you the opportunity to offer a very different experience for a different segment based on the data that you know about them or based on activity and behavior that they've done on your website. I mean, it, it also, you know, we, we talked about the kind of offline piece earlier. I guess what it sounds like to me is that a little bit like, you know, if you were in that brick and mortar setting, that first kind of, you know, using, looking at a customer, you know, sensing their body language, you know, understanding the words that they first initially say, you're kind of doing that with a personalization piece because you have a suite and you're not just going, right, okay, everyone is going to get, you know, this hyper-personalized homepage, for example. Some people may get some of that or all of that, but I guess it depends on, on kind of how open they are to it, like you would in, you know, in a face-to-face conversation. Absolutely. I mean, it's it, this This actually gets a lot of fun because you can offer a different experience based on what channel they, they came through. Mm. You know, if you know you're getting some traffic from Instagram, but they have a low bounce rate, then maybe, you know, for those visitors, you can offer a different experience or maybe just have a little survey that says, hey, you know, what is it that you're looking for? You can ask the customer directly, right? But there are some brands that are starting to realize that hey, we have different buyers that are in different phases of the journey that come to our website. We have high intent buyers. They come in here, they put something in their shopping cart. Maybe they don't they don't make the purchase, but those are high intent, right? And so the rest of the experience that we give those visitors should be different than a low intent visitor. And a low intent visitor is maybe somebody who came to the website, you know, but they they didn't really click anywhere. They actually had no activity for maybe 60 seconds. So what do you do with those visitors, right? Well, instead of interrupting you know, them with maybe a, some sort of like sign up and get our coupon, they're not really that interested. They're low intent. So what you can instead do is either try to start a conversation with them by trying to find out what's their pain point, what they're interested in, or you could just simply show them, hey, here's our, you know, our most popular items that are trending this season. You know, There's different tactics that you can do. You can even Maybe serve like a spin the wheel gamification type thing just to get them active and try to find something about them. And so that's how we're trying to approach it is, well, think about where they are in the journey, because if they're low intent, high intent, then you can think about the right messages that are as appropriate for them. You know, and everything's different. There's not one playbook that works for every brand. Every brand is different because we all do different things. No, I love that. And I think the other thing as well is that for me, that also, what you're talking about here, that is gearing up brands to retain that customer from the outset. And I've always feel that, that is kind of a bit of a danger, you know, is that when you start seeing, you know, a lift in traffic from your acquisition channels, there's always that temptation to go, right, let's just sell, 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 bring the sale in now. But you're stepping back a second rather than tell, you know, and then getting them to buy you're asking the question and okay, yes, at that point, it takes a little bit more effort from you, but are you then number one, finding out who the better potential customers are and the customers that do come in, you're gearing them up for, you know, the fourth and fifth purchase rather than just say, look, first purchase, right off you go. We'll send out some generic win back flows. Like, you know, it's, it's just a, a little bit more 
more thought out. But but the sounds of things what you guys are doing, you've kind of got, you know, again, that hand holding that I think we need when it comes to sort of getting started with personalization. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, where can I take this visitor to the part of the website that is most valuable to them, right? How can I educate them? Right? Because they're not purchase ready. Most people that come to your website are not purchase ready. So if you just have that in mind, then try to take a step back and think, where can I offer value? Right. So that way, when they are purchase ready, they'll think of me and they'll come back to me. The other great thing about the platform is that a lot of brands that, that see it from that approach, they don't immediately you know, start trying to pull information from the person. They start trying to, to engage with the person first, engage with the visitor. And once they start engaging with a visitor, which we call these micro engagements, you start learning about them and then they start answering some of your questions or behaving in a way that's that's beneficial to both of you, then that's when you can actually say, great, we know you're interested in, for example, losing weight, right? Would you like to receive our top 10 tips on, on how to maintain you know, your new weight from your diet? If so, feel free to you know, sign up here. Those brands that are taking that long-term approach and deciding we want to offer value first, their email subscription rates are substantially higher than just showing a pop-up saying, hey, here's 10% off, give me your email. And so even though those people may not be purchase ready, you know a lot about them, you put them into your email marketing campaigns where you can provide further segmentation and further personalization through email. And now those engagements rates are going to be much higher and then those conversion rates from the person coming back to your website are going to be much higher as well. Because it, it sounds like really, again, what you're saying too is that in terms of that email list, it's A, quantity can be better, but equally and most importantly, the quality is better. Yes. Yeah, we've seen those brands that have got you know, lists of you know, 200,000, 300,000, and then you go through it and you're like, oh, so actually you know, you've got this you know, 300K list about 30, you know, 30,000 of them are, are actually ones that we can use. And we see it time and time again, you know, when you've done, you know, four or five years ago, these big expensive, well, I say expensive at the time, cheap on a, on a cap perspective, but at the end of the day, it just ends up being another hotmail address and it's like, you know, but that's enough of me moaning about auditing. One of the, the, I guess the things is then is, and, and we experience this quite a lot as an agency is that when we talk to brands about personalization, the kind of, there's this question of, well, you know, where do we start with it? Or should we start looking at particular data points to get ready to use personalization? So brands that are kind of listening to this now are going, look, we're not doing any personalization right now. What sort of the first step they need to do? to get started in, in thinking about using personalization with their site and obviously with their marketing as well? Yeah, I think the first thing is to eat your own dog food. And what I mean by that is go through your own experience and try to put yourself in your customer's shoes, in your visitor's shoes, and think about where are the moments that in the journey that are confusing, you know, where there's a little bit of friction. And let me fix those parts of the journey first. The second thing I would recommend is look for underperforming pages in Google Analytics right? And underperforming is anything that has a high bounce rate or a low conversion rate. And you can start identifying those pages and you can do something as simple as going to that, that page, asking a few people like, hey, does this seem confusing to you, right? Or you can even just put 
a little survey up there for a few days and just ask the people directly, like, were you able to find what you're looking for? Or, you know, please tell us, you know, what we can do better here. Just try to find information from visitors who are bouncing high on those pages. And the third thing I would recommend is try to attend any sort of website personalization workshop, webinar, or boot camp. We're rolling these out every two weeks. I give them myself and I basically show everybody our process for website personalization, things that have been working really well for a lot of our clients the past few years, what examples of personalization tactics that have worked really, really well for clients that we have. And then we also provide you that checklist that I had mentioned earlier, where you can kind of go through that checklist and based on your answers, you know which tactics, which strategies you should implement first that are going to give you the biggest ROI. Awesome. And just on that note, as one of kind of eating your own dog food, and, and I love that advice. I think so many more brands need to do it. There are, there are quite a few brands, I think, now who are getting involved in things like user testing. Do you feel that that is a useful place to start with trying to work out what your personalization journey should be? I think so. I've always, there was a website, I can't remember the name. But it was something like, you know, you pay $50 and there was like seven or eight people that would go through and analyze a couple of pages. I think that is a, a very useful place to start because once you have like seven or eight opinions from somebody, that's going to cover like almost 90% of anything that's wrong with your website, mm. you know, if any, if any points of, of friction. And so I think that that's a good place to start. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Going, I guess, kind of back to the customer journey piece here. If again, kind of, you know, we're, we're trying to break down our customer journey, each of the brands, obviously, that are listening to this will have very different products and verticals and niches. But are there kind of, I guess, pillars of a customer journey that should always be in play? And if so, what are they? Well, I think the first one is to have the right message. For example, let's say you have a a guy like Ben, his name is Ben. Let's say he's 38 years old and he's shopping for a wedding ring, right? What is the better message on the page for Ben? Is it win a designer diamond necklace or exclusive wedding rings for 10% off, right? Obviously, the better message is the one about the wedding ring. So that's the first thing. The second thing is the right message type, right? Now, there's different message types. First of all, what am I talking about here? Well, message types could be dynamic content that is embedded on the web page. And from a visitor perspective, they see nothing different. They just think it's the content on the, on the web page. But in fact, it's dynamic and it's been personalized. Other message types can include like side messages, maybe uh, sticky bars, those little bars that are on top of or the bottom of a web page, or maybe even a pop-up. But you wouldn't use a full screen pop-up for every visitor or every campaign. If you just want to entice somebody, maybe generate curiosity, you can use like a little teaser that's going to go in the little corner of a page, right? So every message type has its own degree of assertiveness. Uh, so for message types that are less assertive, you want maybe embedded content or teasers. For something that you really want to you make sure everybody sees, then you can use like a full screen or maybe a pop-up. And the third thing, the final thing I would recommend is to be human. What I, what do I mean by that is that I think brands nowadays, there needs to be sort of, you know, a humanistic approach to it. Uh, there's a, a client that we have called reallygoodemails.com and they use this pop-up and it says, sorry for being an a-hole and interrupting, but we noticed that you may not be getting emails 
uh, that surfaced the best of the email world curated by us. I mean, when you see that, you kind of chuckle a little bit and you, you know right away, this is not corporate language. You know, this is this is human language. And so I would recommend anywhere you can try to insert that humanistic approach. So it, it's interesting you mentioned that. It, you know, you mentioning it, it's one of the very few pop-ups I remember, but I absolutely remember that one. <laughs> it was great. Memorable. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. Yeah. Look, Eric, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and I'm really glad we got to do this. But I think, look, before we go, I think you guys have got a few things happening, haven't you, on the Optimunk side that our listeners might be interested in. Yeah, first thing is our boot camps. You go to Optimunk.com forward slash boot camp, sign up. And I'm giving these every two weeks if you want to learn more about personalization and try to implement some personalization tactics for your brand. And then you can also get the checklist as an attendee along with some other resources. And then the other cool thing is e-commerce revolution, the first ever reality business show for e-commerce. Now we're going to take a few e-commerce brands and really try to help them over a three-month period boost their conversion rates by 20% or more by implementing personalization tactics. And we're also collaborating with other e-commerce experts and technology partners that want to get involved and help these brands as well. So e-commerce revolution, look forward to that. Yeah, so we've got a lot going on. (laughs) Look, Eric, thank you so much again. And obviously, if people want to reach out, obviously, Eric, I know you're pretty active on LinkedIn. How should they get in touch? Yeah, LinkedIn, Eric Melcher, or just go to optimunk.com. Those are the two best places. Fantastic. Okay, then. Well, thanks so much, Eric. And guys, thank you so much for tuning in. If you have liked what you listened to today, do give us a like or review on the listening platform of your choice. And we'll be here again, same time next week, show five press the button.